Welcome to the King's Word Bible Study. I'm your host, Brother Vinnie Fitzgerald, and today we're going to delve into the Bible to bring you insight from God's Word that will help you to grow and to develop into spiritual maturity. These lessons are designed to help guide you and strengthen you in your relationship with the Lord. Whether you've never opened a Bible or have read it cover to cover, this podcast will inform and uplift you. Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Today's topic is God's gift. Let's begin in Matthew chapter 2. In Matthew chapter 2, beginning in the first verse, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah? For out of thee shall come a governor, that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently, What time the star had appeared? And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again, that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. The wise men that we find here in Matthew chapter 2 were from a tribe called the Magi. We first find them mentioned in the book of Daniel. Let's go to Daniel chapter 2. In Daniel chapter 2, beginning in the 46th verse, it says, Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel, and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. The king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is, that your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. Then the king made Daniel a great man, and gave him many gifts, and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, and chief of the governors over all the wise men of Babylon. Then Daniel requested of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon, but Daniel sat in the gate of the king. Now in verse 48, when we see the term wise men of Babylon, it's referring to the Magi. The Magi first learned about the Old Testament prophecies concerning the Messiah 
from Daniel and the other Jews who were in Babylon at that time due to the Babylonian captivity. Later on, the Babylonian Empire fell, and out of it emerged the Persian Empire. Daniel and some other Jews chose not to leave when the 70 years of captivity had ended. Daniel was still there when the kingdom changed from Babylon to Persia. Once the Persian Empire became established, they established Zoroastrianism as the state religion. Zoroastrianism is still around today, but it was the predecessor of modern Islam. It was based off of an obscure philosopher named Zoroaster. The Magi became the priests of Zoroastrianism because the Magi were a priestly tribe. Even though they were the official priests of this new religion, they still believed the truth of the Old Testament and the prophets of Israel. So they mixed the two together, and their religion became a hybrid of many different things. The Zoroastrians were heavily involved in astronomy and astrology. Astronomy is the study of space and the things related to it. Astrology is the more mystical counterpart of astronomy. Some say that astrology has its roots as far back as the Tower of Babel. It's from astrology that we get things like zodiac charts and horoscope readings, things that Christians have no business being involved with. The Zoroastrians relied heavily on these different things. The Magi were also very politically influential. In the Fertile Crescent of the Middle East especially, and in other parts of the East, they were known as kingmakers. They had certain religious and political criteria that people had to meet before they could become a king. They would appoint people king, and in a few instances they also deposed kings. By the time Jesus was born, the Roman Empire had become the superpower in the West, and we know that Jesus was born in the Roman Empire. After Alexander the Great's conquest of Persia, about 300 years before the birth of Christ, that conquered territory, of which he took over, came the Parthian Empire in the East. At the time of the birth of Christ, in Parthia, there was an aging and an unpopular king named Phraates IV, who the Magi deposed from the throne. After this had happened, many in the surrounding areas thought that war was imminent. When the Magi traveled, they went in caravans, with what historians have called oriental pomp and circumstance. When they were traveling to find Jesus and came into Judea in caravans, which wasn't their territory, many of the people of Judea were afraid, thinking that their arrival was an act of war, or that they had come to find a new king. The thought of them coming to find a new king especially worried Herod, because as many historians have noted, it is thought that he got his position through bribery, and it was possible that the Magi would look to replace him. This is why Herod asked his scribes to find out where Christ was supposed to be born, and then sought to kill all the male children, two years old and younger. He wanted to make sure there could be no future competition for his position. Herod was so worried about losing his position that according to church historian Josephus, five days after Herod ordered the murder of all the male children two years and younger, he killed his own son out of fear that he would one day take the throne. The Magi came to Judea to search for Christ at a time when the Parthian Empire was without a leader. As kingmakers, the group who approves who will take over, they were at this time actively looking for the one who would become the next king of Parthia. Their search for Christ was separate from their search for the next Parthian king, but it's important to note that it was during a time when their land had no leader 
during a time when they were searching for a king, that they found the King of kings and the Lord of lords. God promises in his word to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. The wise men were searching for an earthly king, but they found the king of the universe. They found God himself. In Matthew 2 and 2, the wise men said they saw his star in the east. It's interesting to note that God used a star to communicate with them. God could have chosen a number of other ways to contact them. He could have sent them a dream like he did when he warned them not to go back to see Herod. He could have sent an angel, or he could have sent a prophet to speak on his behalf. But he chose instead to send a star. The reason that he chose to use a star was because the Magi were Zoroastrians. They were involved in astronomy and astrology. They were always watching the stars, paying attention to the skies and studying space. He sent a star because he knew that it was a sign that they would recognize. He spoke to them in a way that they would understand. He came down to their level of understanding to speak with them. The Magi also said that they saw his star in the east. They were in Parthia, in the east. Bethlehem was in the west. Once they saw the star at Parthia, in the east, the star went ahead of them as they followed it, over a thousand mile journey, which took them between six to nine months to Bethlehem in Judea. The star was first in the east. God met them where they were at, and then he led them to where he wanted them to be and where they needed to be. This is the Christmas story that God came down from his throne in the heavens and became a man in order to save mankind. God came to earth and he lived where we live. He suffered like we suffer and he was tempted like we're tempted. He ate food like we ate. He limited himself to the limitations of the human body like we are limited. Philippians chapter 2 verses 6 through 7 say, Who being in the form of God, Fought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. John chapter 1 verse 14 tells us, And the word was made flesh, and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The story of Christmas and the true meaning of Christmas is that God came down to our level. He spoke to us in a way that we would understand, just like he did with the Zoroastrian Magi. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 and 2 say, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. He gave us a sign that we would recognize. Then, when we come to Jesus in repentance and in search of forgiveness and salvation, he meets us where we're at. And when we start to follow in faith, he leads us to the cross, where we need to be at that time. It's at the cross that we can lay our burdens down, and become new creatures in Christ Jesus, and find God himself when we invite him into our hearts. Unlike the Magi, we aren't going to find Christ in a manger in Bethlehem. Today we find him at the cross, and from there and there alone, we start our new lives with him. None of us would be saved today if God hadn't come down to our level first and met us where we were at. 
None of us would be saved today if God didn't send someone into our life to share the gospel with us in a way that we could understand. The story of Christmas and the story of the wise men is more than just a historical account. It's our story. It's the story of our search for God, our search for a Savior, and the fulfillment of our search can only be found in Jesus Christ himself. Let's go to Matthew chapter 2 again. In Matthew chapter 2, in the 11th verse, it says, And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Once the wise men found Jesus, they did two things. They worshipped and they gave. We are commanded to do the same. It is our job to worship the Lord and to give to him. Worship must come first, and worship prepares the way for us to give. The wise men would not have been wise if they didn't worship and give to Jesus. It was their worship and giving that demonstrated the great wisdom which they possessed. It was once the wise men were in the manger, where Christ was living at that point, that they worshipped and gave. And in a similar way, once we are in the household of faith, at the house of God, it's our job to worship and to give. Every Christian should be known by their worship and by their giving. John 4.24 tells us, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We must worship him. We are commanded by God to do so. It's not a suggestion, and it's not optional. We must worship him. We cannot take this commandment lightly. Worship is essential to the Christian life. We need worship, and we should desire to worship. It naturally flows from a joyful and a grateful heart. When the wise men saw the star, verse 10 tells us they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Our joy from the fact that our Savior arrived, just as he said he would, and that he met us where we were at and spoke to us in a way that we would understand, should drive us to worship him more and more as our love for him grows deeper and deeper. Luke chapter 6 verse 38 says, Give and it shall be given unto you. Acts 20 and 35 tells us, Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Giving is a major part of our faith. It's how we show forth our love for others. And one of the main ways that we worship God is through our giving. Giving when done right is more than just an action. It's a lifestyle. As Christians, we need to be known for our lifestyle of giving and generosity. Our giving can go a long way if only we put forth the effort to give. Over the years, Christmas has become synonymous with giving. During Christmas time each year, even amongst Christians, there is a lot of emphasis put on giving, but there is not nearly enough emphasis put on worship. Every true Christmas celebration must have both, giving and worship. This is what we are doing here today on this program. We are seeking to give the Lord our praise and our thanks. We are giving Him our time, and we are seeking to worship Him and praise Him for all that He is and all that He is doing. We are celebrating Christmas the right way, like the wise men. We are together with the household of faith, all around the world listening today. And we have come here today to worship the King, and to bring Him gifts of praise and thanksgiving, and to learn of Him. This is what it means to celebrate Christmas, and this is how we do it. The same way that this is a season of giving, we can't forget that it also needs to be a season of worship. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, 
beginning in the ninth verse. It says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. Today we have good tidings of great joy. This is a season of joy, and like the Magi, we should rejoice with exceeding great joy. Our joy drives us to worship and to give. God has given us a gift this Christmas. He gave us Himself. He didn't leave us to fend for ourselves. He sent His Son to be our Savior, to redeem us, to meet us where we were at, to come down to our level, and so He could buy us back from the power of the enemy. This is a time to be joyful, and this is a day to celebrate. As it says in Psalm 118 and 24, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Let's make the choice today to worship and to give this Christmas, and to do so with exceeding great joy in our hearts, and receive with an open heart the gift that God wants to give you today. He wants to give you Himself. Let's close in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for this Christmas. We thank you for this wonderful season of the year that's defined by giving and worship all great things that you desire and are pleasing to you. Lord, we worship you and we give you praise and honor and glory for who you are. And Lord, we thank you that you didn't leave us here in this world alone just to be killed and destroyed by our own sinful actions, but that you sent your Son, that you gave us a gift so that we could be brought back from the power of the enemy. And we thank you that you spoke to us in a way that we could recognize And where we see the sign, we see your Son and the blood that he shed on our behalf. And with an open heart, we reach out and we take hold in faith for that gift that you have offered us. And Lord, we thank you. And we give you all the honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to receive God's gift to you this Christmas and have Jesus as a part of your life today, all you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and Savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. If you've prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you are now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We want to wish you and your family a very blessed and Merry Christmas and a very happy and blessed New Year. And we appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us today. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you would like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We also appreciate if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's Word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all, and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's Word together.